I'm Amy Kaufman. And I'm Lisa Damaris. And this is Appraiser Talk, the show where I ask Lisa, the Vice President of Appraisal Issues at the Appraisal Foundation, your appraisal questions. We answer questions from every corner of the appraisal profession, from consumers to appraisers and real estate to business valuation. Welcome to today's episode. This month, we're going to be doing some special episodes to celebrate the Appraisal Foundation's 35th anniversary. We will focus on the progress the Foundation has made and look ahead to what the next 35 years could mean for the Foundation and the appraisal profession. That's right, Amy. This is an exciting time at the Foundation. So what's our first question for this series? Here it is, Lisa. How has the appraisal landscape changed in the 35 years since the Foundation's inception? Well, that's a pretty big question. I know we've talked about some of the history on this show before, but it's always worth revisiting. To save everyone some quick math on a Monday morning, the foundation was created in 1987. This was the result of some of our future sponsors at that time coming together in the wake of the savings and loan crisis in the 1980s to recognize that the appraisal profession needed an organization to write minimum standards and qualifications for appraisers in the United States. And the federal government would recognize this too and eventually grant the Appraisal Foundation Congressional Authority just two years later in Title XI of FIREA. Since then, the Foundation's boards have been responsible for updating and maintaining the minimum standards and qualifications for real property appraisers, which are enforced by the states. But what else has changed in the last 35 years, Lisa? Well, just like the rest of the world, the appraisal landscape has changed a lot in the last 35 years, and the Appraisal Foundation has changed with it. A lot of these changes are still taking place today. We're working hard to make the profession more accessible for aspiring appraisers with programs like FERIA, which will offer an alternative experience pathway for trainees. And we're working with partners like the Urban Institute and the Appraisal Institute as sponsors of the Appraiser Diversity Initiative to increase the diversity of the profession. I think we'll continue to see a lot more incredible evolution like this in the next 35 years. I think you're right, Lisa. It's certainly an exciting time here at the Foundation. But can you also tell us a little bit about how you've seen the profession change as an appraiser? What's the biggest change you've seen occur within the profession over the course of your career? Well, I began my path towards becoming a real property appraiser in 1991, just as the licensing of an appraiser was beginning. And when I began, I was one of what appeared to me to be just a handful of female appraisers. You know, appraising at that time was very labor intensive. So we spent a lot of time driving around. We we drove our film to the photo centers to have them developed. We physically drove our written appraisal reports to hand them directly to our clients. And we drove to the county court offices, to assessor's office, to the clerk and recorder's office to search and collect and copy property data. You know, we sat and we viewed microfiche. For those of you who can remember what that is, you know, we literally, we drove to real estate offices to interview agents. We used paper maps that we had to order online. We drove to the office supply store to buy pencils, graph paper. And oh, there's another reference for anybody who's been along, around for a long time. Uh, comp stickers. We had to order those from, anybody remember Forms and Worms? You know, my car kind of felt like a mini storage unit with stacks of MLS sold books piled in the back seat. We did not have computer-based MLS data. Rather, we received a list of sold properties once a month in the mail in the form of this huge sold book. Data was always lagging far behind the market. 
So essentially, in the early 1990s, data available on comparable sales was incredibly limited and, like I said, labor-intensive to find. And it was more than one time when I was given an address to appraise and I would have like no idea what kind of property I was going to see. And you would turn out, you'd pull up and you'd be like, oh, please don't let it be the area's most one highly unique and different home, like a, a dome house or a hobby farm or maybe even a commercial property when I was expecting a residential property. So to answer your question, the biggest change I have seen is how data and software have completely transformed a profession. Data used to be very, very difficult to assimilate. It was hard to verify. It was incredibly sparse. It was inconsistent. Now, while data has become much easier to come by, the appraiser's role as an expert is more related to the cleaning of that data. We, we verify it. We understand the strengths and weaknesses of the large data sets that become more and more important to us. And the appraiser is literally spending less time finding and compiling the data and more time with the vetting, interpreting, analyzing, and concluding what the many different data points indicate. That wraps it up for this week's special episode. Be sure to tune in all month for more on the past 35 years of the Appraisal Foundation and what could happen in the next 35. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you'll tune in each week to Appraiser Talk. You can send in your questions to me at amy, A-M-Y, at appraisalfoundation.org, and you might just hear us answer it in a future episode. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Appraiser Talk is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.